If we take the hierarchy of the home, where the father is the lead, and we take the five capitals and that spiritual capital is the most important and put those together, then we get this statement. The most important thing that can happen in any home on any given day is dad spending time with God. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's Wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Abraham's Wallet. Um... It's just me today, it's just uh, Stephen, because I have a special little treat for you. I'm going to uh, share a conversation that I had with a friend on, uh, it was just a regular Zoom call, it was just a call with a friend, and it was so good that I went back and listened to it and edited it and thought, uh, I think this would be nutritious for everybody to hear. The only thing I did in editing it was to remove some blank spaces where we were kind of pondering. So we're not as clever as we sound on here, and our our thoughts aren't as automatic as they sound here. Otherwise, this is just uh, two two old friends talking. Uh, Darren does not live in Cincinnati. That's why I was Zooming him. Um, He lives... Uh, north north of me by about an hour. I know him through uh, ministering with him and praying and talking to him. And Darren had an amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit about 18 months ago. And I guess that's when, well, it wasn't the first, it wasn't my first notice that Darren was a special guy. But Certainly the Lord underlined him at that time and said, there's something about me that this guy knows. So what you're going to hear is me trying to uh, mine that that gold out of uh, Darren Baldwin. So if I can just contextualize for one second, why would I um, impose upon our listeners who are presumably here to hear about finances and home management, biblical home management, why would I impose upon you, oh, what is this, about 45 minutes of talk about what amounts to quiet time talk, you know, your quiet time or your prayer life, why would I impose that upon you? And I'll just share one little insight before I start playing this. It's it's this, there are two, there are two um, matrix, matrices that I, that I combine to come up with a statement. Okay, so here's the two the two kind of concepts. One is the hierarchy of the home, which biblically, my layup verse for describing the hierarchy of the home. Some of you heard me uh, talk about this, write about this um, at abrahamswallet.com. We have a article called uh, "What Is Family" that you can go look at if you want, but 1 Corinthians 11.3 says that the father is the head of the home. So in the hierarchy of the home, he's at the top. That doesn't mean that he gets his way all the time. It just means that he has responsibility. 
the buck stops with him for responsibility. Any answers to the Lord for his home. So let's put that on one side, that little hierarchy. Another concept that we have and teach around here is the idea of five capitals. There are articles called Five Capitals on abrahamswallet.com, which we invite you to uh, read. We think they are uh, will be enlightening to you. They describe the fact that finances are the least important capital, that is the least important resource that we have to work with, and that spiritual capital is the most important capital that we have to work with. So if, for instance, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. That's Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 6. This is Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, if you'll deal with spiritual capital first and make it priority, I can make all of the other things that fall underneath that, I can make them fall in line. So th- those are my two concepts that I'm holding together, the hierarchy of the home and five capitals. If we blend those together, we put those things together, then we would say the most important capital to be dealt with in the home on any given day is spiritual. And the person who's going to have the greatest impact in the culture of the home, who's designed to, is the father, then I can come up with this statement. Let me, let me reorient that again so I can get a good drum roll for this. If we take the hierarchy of the home where the father is the lead and we take the five capitals and that spiritual capital is the most important and put those together, then we get this statement. The most important thing that can happen in any home on any given day is dad spending time with God. I'll say it again. The most important thing that can happen in a home on any given day is dad spending time with God. And I know that that's an imposing concept, but it's something that we need to talk about. So when we talk about what to do with your IRA and what does a well-balanced portfolio look like, okay, that's important, not nearly as important as how we spend time with God. I hope you'll give us a little rope today. I I found this um, conversation interesting enough that I am foisting it upon you. So I hope you, I hope it blesses you like it did me. So here we are. This is me and Darren Baldwin. Enjoy. I've been getting my flesh more involved in, <laughs> in prayer. Right. In, in, in reading his word and declaring his word back to him. And that has just become more intimate because now my, my flesh is having to submit just by, just by getting on my knees, by raising my hands and saying, God, I, as I'm reading this, I'm reading it as, as I'm owning it as truth and I'm declaring it back to you. And as my flesh gets more involved with praising him, it, it just, it starts overflowing to, you know, my mind, my mind and my, uh, my soul just become more aligned with my spirit. Right. And I think before Stephen, I was just being a lazy Christian or maybe I, you just call it, um, I didn't want to submit my flesh. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get down on my knees. I didn't want to get into a place where I could declare it out loud 
or maybe I just, I had never tasted the fruits of that. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't know where it started. I know we used to have a, uh, a treadmill up here. And I was, uh, I remember one morning, um, I, ha- I was playing a YouTube and, um, it was some Bethel song and I, I was just compelled to raise my hands instead of running with my arms. I was just running still but with my hands in the air and just praising the Lord. And it was maybe the first time I just, I just started weeping and just, uh, physically just felt the spirit on me. Yeah. Um, I was like, wow. Um, that was, that was intense. I mean, it was an intimacy there with the Lord that, um, I hadn't, hadn't experienced before. It was a couple of years ago. And so, um, it's been a little bit at a time. Um, but if, if I was to look back and summarize it, it was, it's been a submitting of my flesh. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that you talk about you, 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 what you're saying is involving my flesh in prayer. You didn't say in worship, just like even in prayer to be fully physically involved. And most people yeah, I, don't do that. And if you look back at yourself, do you think it's pride or ignorance? Both. But if I had to choose one, I would say it was ignorance. Although pride, pride has been an issue. So I won't say that I haven't dealt with pride. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying the, the awakening of my soul to that as a blessing was just ignorant. Yeah. You were willing whenever you knew something. You were willing. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a church where we never even clapped. We certainly didn't raise our hands. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Right? <laughs> no. So I mean, Melissa and I got married. We came to Cincinnati when we started going to Vineyard Springdale and people were raising their hands. Yeah. And we started just, oh, I'm going to try this out. And, and I, I, I remember, and it wasn't because I was like, oh, I'm not, it wasn't out of pride, Stephen, but it was kind of, it just never occurred to me that participating with my body and just saying, yeah, if you're worthy, I'm, I'm going, I'm coming with my voice and my, my body. And I, if, if no one else sees this, if no one else hears this, that you would be glorified. I think that was out of ignorance, but was it because I was in the community of religious pride? <laughs> That's kind of a, was it communal pride? Um, and I was a part of that. Maybe. Yeah. So what's, what's your habit of coming up here to spend time with the Lord? What, what do you actually do? How do you start that time? I almost always just start with my father, right? I just say my father, usually I just woken up and, and I'm just talking with him, just my father, meaning I'm your son and I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, I just get to walk into your presence. And I'm thankful that your mercies are new every morning. I almost always recite the Lord's Prayer, uh, emphasizing, you know, and, and, you know, this changes every day, but there's often an emphasis somewhere in there where I'm really emphasizing that component of the Lord's Prayer. So on on one, on some, some seasons, it could be the, your kingdom come like you you promised that your kingdom would come like your kingdom has come in power 
but I'm not seeing it right now, Lord. And I'm, and I'm asking that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. Um, or in days when I'm really seeking his will, where it's like, God, I don't know your will, but I, I know that your will will be done. <laughs> yes. And, and, and you partner with men to bring your kingdom. So here I am. Would you, would you send me a dream? Would you reveal it in your scripture? Would you bring someone into my path that, that helps me see this? I, I want to know your will on this, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. You're always trustworthy. You've always provided. You are Jehovah Jireh. That's who you are. And you never change in that regard. So that's usually how I start my day is the Lord's Prayer. And I'll just emphasize the area of the prayer where my heart is um, stirred. And you just talk through practicalities. Here's what's on my mind. Here's what's going on right now. And just be just be practical before you do any kind of scripture stuff. Yeah, tend to. Just conversational. Conversational. Sometimes I just sit quietly. Like this morning, I'll just sit. I was, we, have, we have a porch and uh, just on the rocking chair and I'll just sit. Thank him. Get your soul stilled. Yeah. And then, and then I'll crack open his word. Like right now he has me camped out on uh, Psalm 25. Um, <clears throat> I used to, I used to uh, be very linear and more, well, I read it. I read this chapter or some set of chapters and I go and I keep moving and I'm keeping yeah. moving. And now I'm saying, Lord, I don't, I don't want to leave this chapter till, till you give me what you want me to have out of this chapter. Right. And um, so I'm going through Exodus, but I'm camped out on, on uh, Psalm 25. Um, the Lord actually has wrecking me this morning on um, how he ordained the, the priests and how, so I'm reading through God's word from Genesis through the Old Testament, just on what he's prophetically saying to me, because I think so much of my reading in the past, Stephen, has been less of how is this a living word specifically for me and more of what did this word say yes. about, about the Israelites or what did it say about yes. the Egyptians and what can I glean from that instead of the prophetic speaking to me like yeah. this is God's living word for me today. That's a significant transition to go from reading for content as opposed to reading for relationship. Oh. And go yeah, I just what are you saying to me? The revelation, the revelation involved in a fresh word from God, as opposed to, all right, now I know what, now I know who they killed next. Got it. Now I could do better on a Bible quiz, as opposed to, uh, I know what he's saying to me right now. He's saying this to me. It's a big transition. Well, we see, we see how quickly we get programmed, right? You know, you have a few people wear masks for a few months and then they drop the mandate and people are still wearing masks because they got programmed into this. And uh, I remember going to private school growing up and it only took a few semesters of being quizzed on the Bible. Yeah. It was like, 
the 10 plagues was there not to speak to me, but for me to get an A on the test. So I had to memorize the plagues. It wasn't wasn't this intimacy with God on how he was going to humiliate his enemies. Yes. Okay. So my experience, I'm going to impose my experience on top of you. I, I assume it's similar, which is whether you're doing just sitting down on the, in the front porch in silence or whether you are doing the Lord's prayer or whether you're reading Psalm 25 at moments that you cannot predict, you will feel his presence in various stages. So my question is, how can we increase our hit rate? How can we maximize those, those, the opportunities so one, one verse that keeps coming to mind for me is, I think it's Ephesians 5.10, but it's very simply says, find out what pleases God. That's the phrase, find out what pleases God. And, you know, I think we partially do that. Through, we can do that in our, in our quiet times, in our time with God. We can find out the parts that he likes. And so we want to increase the, the, the presence moments that we have and when we do have a presence moment, we want to maximize that. If I hit a vein, I always feel this in worship. If you hit a vein, if I hit a vein, I'm not leaving that song for a while. Just, just tell everybody, we're just, I don't know what we did here. I don't know how this happened. I want to be a better scientist to know what we did. But if I don't know what we did, I don't care if I know we're just going to stay here for a while. Because if we hit something that feels like his presence, we're going to maximize that moment. So I'm interested in your answer to the question. One, how do we increase the frequency of those moments? And two, when we have one of those moments, how do we enlarge that moment? That's a really good question. I have never kept any kind of log to go, oh, he liked this question that I asked him, or he liked, I mean, what from what you've already told me you learned you wouldn't have put it this way but you did research you did scientific research and realized he really likes physical involvement in prayer so i will keep doing that because i'm after his pleasure and his presence yeah when my body and my voice are projecting truth back to him wow yeah i hit a vein there with him as you were asking that, that question, one of the things I heard was uh, creating space for him, um, meaning time. So busyness being the, the enemy, the, the, the opposite of those moments when we stumble. I feel like there's, we stumble across them sometimes. Yeah. But I stumble across them or I discover them in those moments of margin where I've set aside the time, I've appointed time for him. The enemy of busyness, busyness will almost always crush those moments. If I'm telling myself, I don't have time to stay in this, I don't have time to intercede for that friend, it'll crush those moments. I I was, Walking over, my neighbor recently suffered a stroke. He's like 90. I was walking over to his yard yesterday because I saw him out mowing. I hadn't seen him in weeks. 
And on the way there, I just started praying to the Lord and he put on my heart, I right now, right now, I'm preparing a table for you, Darren, in the presence of my enemies right now. Wow. And I'm walking over to just check on my neighbor. And so his presence was just on me in that moment. I just felt like, wow, this is a holy moment. And on the walk, it was just on the time there. I'm just, I'm getting wrecked on the way over to talk yeah. to my neighbor. No surprise that the interaction with my neighbor was a holy moment. Yeah that was prepared before time began for us to have this interaction. And I'd never had, I'd never prayed with this neighbor. I never had laid hands on his legs before, but he wanted healing in his legs and he, and uh, something came on him. The Lord touched him because he, he could, he was saying, I said, Hey Bob, what's going on? And he was like, something's happening with my legs. And he was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. He stood up and he was like, oh, they're better. They're better. But that moment walking over to him um, was an unplanned. I didn't have, um, I'd, I, well, I guess I did set, I set my timer for 15 minutes and that's a big enough window, but it was this protected time where I said, I'm going to take a break from work. I'm going to walk over, check on my neighbor. And the Lord just showed up in that it was that moment right before reaching Bob that I just felt like, wow, it was very precious. I'll tend to do those. Like um, I'm working pretty much back to back meetings up until 1230, but I'll probably take a walk through my yard and just take another 15 minute. Mm -hmm. I try to do those throughout the day. Someone pointed those out. I, I had, I wore a heart rate monitor for three days straight, three or five days, a really high end monitor only because I'm in digital health. And so we tend to, play with different tools. The PhD that read my report, he was saying one of the things that most affected the health of my heart during the day was taking these short walks. Uh, the report actually called those out. It was really because of identifying these short walks sporadically throughout the day were physically helpful. I thought, well, I'm going to do those and, and just use those as prayer walks as time with the Lord. So that's been a habit I've built in more recently, but that goes back to appointing time for him that I hadn't in the past done. I, it always been, well, I've got to cram in as much work into the day as I could possibly do. Right. Uh, or I'm in some ways it was kind of like this religious pressure I'd put on myself that certainly God's not going to be like, there's not going to be anything good happen without Darren putting all of his own strength into this. And I'm going to put in a 10 hour day or however many hours it takes. And I've heard the Lord say more recently, like Darren, it, the, my provision for you or whatever breakthroughs you think need to happen or whatever walls need to come down, isn't because you had more strength in it. And, and so there's been more, call it, call it pride of like, yeah, Lord, this is your kingdom. I'm, I'm submitting to your ways. It does not make any sense to me that I could spend less time on my work. I can go on more prayer walks yeah. and sales calls come to me now. Right. Yep. It doesn't make any sense, Stephen. Yeah. That's a really good, uh, that's what I, that's what, that's one of the major things the Lord wants built into my life is exactly what you're describing is just slowing down 
you brought to mind Psalm 131, 2, which says, and I'll just say, this is something that David had to do. David did it. God didn't do this for him. David did it. He says, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child resting with his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me, composed and freed from discontent. David did this work of ridding his soul of discontent till it was calm and quiet. And one of the things, so you, you, you're touching on the, the, the quieting of one's soul is a, they might not see this in other countries as clearly as we do, but it's a battle with performance, which is a battle with pride. They're the same thing, mm -hmm. self-reliance. So what's interesting, I just read verse two. Verse one says, Lord, my heart is not proud and my eyes are not haughty nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. And then he says, because I've calmed and quieted my soul. And you think of, I'm not a Facebook guy, but I can get sucked into Twitter. And you think of, I mean, I, I have people, I had good friends who are ministers yesterday who are texting me about LeBron James. Can you believe, here's what this guy, just, you know, there's a really nothing example of LeBron James. And I have to say, LeBron James fits into Psalm 131, verse 1, which says, I do not involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Hmm. And the great lure of social media and, and most gossip is that we would involve ourselves in something like whether they build a border wall in El Paso it has nothing to do with me. What they're doing in Washington, D.C. has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Oh, there's so many things that we can string out our souls mm. being worried about when David seems to describe the worry of our soul getting narrower and narrower and narrower until we're like a weaned child. <laughs> That isn't proud. I guess when you're proud, you think that you can have a big effect on things. And that's one of the lies that our culture is saying, you know, like change the world or increase your impact. Churches tell us this stuff too. And, you know, increase your impact. The Bible does not say that. It doesn't say maximize your impact on the world. It says, <laughs> God, my, my eyes are not haughty. I've calmed and quieted my soul. And verse three, there's only three verses in Psalm 31. The third verse says, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and do it forever. Hmm. Anyways, you, you, you brought that to mind. And I just think it's probably really wise to go where I could find 15 minutes to walk around my yard and get back into contemplative state. And as you say, I mean, I know, I know this story with so many people that when they confess worry, confess performance, even if you're not naming them, that's what you're doing, and to get back into a place of communion with the Lord. He, he has a, well, this is something I've been considering this week, is that he made us, we, we've kind of been trained because of the abuse of it to stay away from these things, but he's actually made our hands to receive, to receive, and to receive blessing, 
and favor um, and increase. But those things don't come by our work. Those things come by our receiving from him. And he has a way of multiplying your time, bringing you sales. And they're all, I think there's a great connection to you going like, Lord, these things are too, they're too hot. They're too great for me. They're too difficult for me. So I will walk in you. And if I'm supposed to be a sales guy, I guess you'll have to bring me sales, Lord. And I think he loves that. All right. That was, that was the end of the sermon. That what, what do you think? I think that's spot on. It's interesting that, yeah, pride's on the front end of. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, the quieting of one's soul. Huh? My heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child, my soul within me. I guess he got to the end of verse three and he's like, I think we're good. I'm, I'm just in that one right there. That's that's. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, wow. Yeah. Our ability to hear. I think those worries just uh, snatch away our our ability to hear and listen to what the spirit has to say. And he, he's waiting to say, okay, what do you fear more? But I think this is a spiritual discipline of having my soul be at rest. This happened last week. I, I repented because I said, Lord, I, I don't know. I find myself sometimes, Stephen, where it's like a week and a half goes by and I'm like, my intimacy, my intimacy begins to, to wane or dry. And yeah. I'm like, Lord, what's going on here? And I realized I had turned away from the Lord. I was looking at the waves and the wind. Yeah. The, the beautiful thing is once I was <laughs> like, oh, God, I, I have feared this thing I imagine more than you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I put the importance of this being in order over here in the way that I want. Again, that's a pride thing. I think this thing ought to look like this. And the way I see things shaping up, God, you better fix it. And, uh, and my prayers begin to sound, you know, like prideful. Yeah. And saying, Lord, you know, I mean, this thing over here, I don't even have to, if I'm looking at you, I don't care. I don't care about that. You know about it. I'm handing it to you. He was so quick to forgive me and, and pull me near and bring me back into his intimacy. How often are we not willing to put our sin in terms of, how I offended the Lord, like until I really unpack it, I'll just use a one, you know, one that a lot of men will refer to like, Ooh, I I stumbled again. I looked at porn. Well, that's just a symptom. What did you do at the root cause? Yeah. What are you saying to the Lord when you, when you go there? Yeah. Because if you don't translate it and what it means for you personally to Lord, I pointed my finger at you, Lord. And I said, I'm not content. Yeah. 
right? Or, or I need, I need comforted and you aren't enough of a comforter to me. So I'm going to get comforted over here. Yeah. Or, or I, I think you might reject me for whatever reasons I want to think up, but, but she won't reject me when I look at her. Yeah. Right. I got to put it in terms of like, I thought you were going to reject me, but this yeah. is a lie. Right. I've really got to get to terms where like it makes me tear up. Yes. To tell him that. If yeah. I don't get it into terms of what it means to my relationship, if I don't really like shed tears on it, I'm probably just doing worldly, worldly sorrow at that mm. point. Wow. But it takes some, you know, who wants to like go through that mess, but I've learned it's worth it that the repentance that you really hang out there for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, conf- it has been confounding to me to see that David, David had a man killed, slept with his wife, committed adultery. And his response to the whole thing was against you only have I sinned. Like, David, are you crazy? You know, you sin against a lot more people than God. But he he saw that this the, the primary offense was between him and the Lord. Yeah. And I I don't think we as you as you just said if the Lord convicts us of you were lying, you weren't listening to my spirit just then, you wanted to eat when I told you not to eat, etc. We just don't want to do the work of, of actually treading through how have I offended you and what does it mean to our relationship? Hmm. So to slow down and actually have, think of repentance, not in terms, okay, what did I do wrong? Okay, I'd say, I'm sorry I did it wrong. I'm sorry I did wrong. Okay, let's make it, all, is it all right now? But to actually walk through, what am I saying about you? What am, what am I saying to you? And yeah. as you say, that that can take some time to 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 work through, but relationally speaking, there, there's no substitute for it. If you've offended a friend, you know, to to go through relationally and walk through, how did it offend you? What was I actually saying? I oh gosh, I can see how that I can see what I was doing. I'm so sorry. And to take the time to have our heart pierced by our own sin, that takes time. I'll, I'll say I'll say for myself, sin is so ugly. You're so disappointed in yourself, and you just want to okay. What do I have to do to to technically get past this, as opposed to taking the time to process through and all of the relational fruit that can come from taking the time to do that? I think that's a wonderful observation for for anybody who wants to spend time with God and have that time with God be be fruitful is. Well, we just did it in worship this morning. Just take 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 some time and go. What is, what is God saying to me right now? If you just if we just were to sit quietly, and think for two minutes and just go, what what what's top line that you would want to say to me right now? Mm-hmm. And if it's sin, most of the time we just want to go. Well, I agree with you. It's sin. Okay, cool. Are we cool? Let's let's go on instead of instead of going like no. There's an impediment to our relationship that this sin references. The sin references an impediment to our relationship. What's the impediment? We need to deal with that. Anyways, I think that's very wise. And it's not no nobody wants to give time to that. It's it's a bummer. Yeah, and and I and I do think no one wants to give time to that because it's a 
pride thing. I don't think it's laziness. I do think it's, there's a resistance to wanting to, what does it mean to have a king and be in his kingdom? Mm-hmm. I, I remember the, <laughs> some of our first ministry encounters required some repentance. And very quickly, I got some feedback from the elders. You need to stop that. We hear that you're recommending that people need to repent. It's like, and? <laughs> I was confused, really. <clears throat> of course. Wait, I thought no. it was sin that separates us from God. I thought <laughs> sin was the problem. Is sin not the problem, you guys? Give me, help me to understand. I just want to be healed of this situation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to let go of my sin. Sure, sure. <laughs> that was perplexing. Mm. So, I, and and heartbreaking because I think the spirit of religion hates to repent. Of course. Because it's already got everything right. In, in its kingdom, everything is right already. Yeah. It's offensive. And the, and the knee jerk is to accuse repentance of being religious. Like you're being religious, calling people to repent of their sin. Are you Mr. Uh, soul doctor that you can look into somebody's soul and see what the sin is they repent of? And I always think, no, they just told me. They, they told me what the sin was. And so my, our, our, our old friend Peb uh, used to say, if you'll just let people talk enough, they'll tell you everything. It's like, they'll tell you what the sin area is. They'll tell you where their guilt and shame is. They'll tell you what God is saying to them that they're not, that they're not um, obeying. And when people tell you sin, it's like a good priest just goes, oh, you've got sin. Oh, you, there's a way to deal with sin. I know what the way is. I can help you. And then people just pull out their hair screaming. This is religious. This is religious. We're like, May, did I miss what salvation is? Who? Sorry, help me out here. What's the? And people just don't. I mean, I always think of uh, Isaiah saying, "Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel." Sh- you know, shut up, get off this path, is the is what they say, and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel, who who hates sin. Anyways, I think that is a fantastic observation that even in our quiet times we never think i don't know people think quiet times is time to look at jesus healing somebody thank you jesus that you heal people have a nice day as opposed to him getting out a scalpel and going here's what's between you and me i shared with a friend it was it was uh, 2019 leading up to the the fall when the lord just slayed me um Right before that, I probably spent, Stephen, um, a season where I was reading through the Bible specifically for opportunities for me to repent. Wow. And, and I was, and then I would circle them in the Bible and I mean, multiple things. He said, how are you having so much intimacy? And I said, I'm doing a lot more repentance than I ever have. Mm. Yeah. And I said, it's like God nip. I said, the the more that I do, the more that he reveals, the more that I, my eyes can see. Yeah. He's given me spiritual eyes to see. And and then I get to hand it to him. And, and the beautiful thing is he, he forgives, gives me more freedom and gives me more, you know, 
more fulfillment in, in drawing me closer along the salvation path towards him. So I'm becoming more like his intended design. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Hmm. Um, so he wanted the fruit, but was, didn't like the path that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The people offending path is part is part of it. As you say, your, your flesh has to come into submission to the Lord. And then if we're expanders of the kingdom, all flesh will have to come into submission to the Lord. And if we, when we expand the kingdom and we start putting other flesh um, under the spotlight of his glory and his preeminence, people do not like it. To find out what pleases the Lord will mean, I mean, Jesus said what is highly valued among men is detestable to God, right? If we're going to find out what pleases the Lord, we, we have to, I don't see how there's a difference between the finding out what pleases the Lord business and the getting free of the fear of man business. They're, they're the same business. And yeah. Paul said in Galatians 1, are we still trying to please men? He said, if, if we were still trying to please men, we would not be servants of Christ. And so those things, in whatever uh, grinder you're describing, for me, the fear of man has been one of the central things that the Lord has put into the sausage grinder and said, we, we must completely eradicate this from you or you will not know what pleases me. And we, we're going to start with you, by the way. So, so the things that you don't like um, and pleasing yourself, you, you'll, be, you'll be subject A of us. Not, we're not going to please you either. Last question. So you, you had an unusually magnificent encounter with God about 18 months ago. What have you done to steward that? If I think of you walking out of the temple with your face glowing... Um, what have you done to steward that glow? I want to say the first month after that, I was, I didn't know what to do with it, Stephen. I was saying, Lord, why? And what was this for? What, what does one do with this? I didn't have even one friend. I wish I had 12 friends. I didn't have one friend that I knew who had said this had happened to me before. Yeah. And, and this is what I did. Yeah. My wife knew almost right away, and I spent a couple weeks going back to, like, I want to say maybe almost a dozen people who were there and said, like, what did you see that happened? Because part of it, Stephen, I was unconscious for. So I was, and then even once I came to consciousness, I was uh, in a cloud. I literally was seeing a cloud while I was walking around. Wow. After I got up. So I, someone told me I was... I was down for maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. It was such a, it was such a foreign event for me. I wasn't, how to steward it was. No idea. I had no idea. Yeah. No idea. What I did know was when I'm permitted, I want to start sharing. I was curious if anyone else had had anything like this happen to them. I've prayed for uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit for my family, and um, half of them, they've, they've experienced that. 
I would say that's the best I've done to steward it, Stephen. But I wonder about what I'm in a season right now where I'm asking the Lord that question. Okay, that's fair. Well, thanks for the great conversation. It's very nutritious. (laughs) Likewise. Well, after hearing that, I hope you're in agreement with me that uh, that's valuable stuff to consider as we all kind of march closer to the heart of God for ourselves and for our homes. I know that uh, when you tune in here, you probably have an expectation to hear stuff about money. Um, But of course, we feel that money and money management inside your home is on the downline of being in right relationship with God. If your money's right and your relationship with God isn't right, your money doesn't matter. It's not that money is unimportant. Biblically, it's very important. But in in comparison to our relationship with God, it has almost no value. Um, it's just a means of the Lord to train his sons is the value of money. So, just to recap what I heard in that conversation, I just reheard it. Um, it was great. I, I hear the importance of slowing down when, uh, as we approach God, that busyness is the enemy of God's presence. I hear um, relate, uh, sorry, repentance is a normal part of our relationship with God, and we have to take time. Um, just like we would in walking through actual forgiveness and repentance of hurting uh, a loved one, to take the time and walk through what now what what are the implications for our relationship. And then uh, lastly, I touched on getting past the fear of man in pursuit of God's heart. And so, I bless you as you hear these things. May uh, may you. Feel that the pathway in into intimacy with God is a clearer one for you. And may your home benefit as you uh, press on, as you draw closer to God. And there's a great promise, if we draw close to Him, that He will draw near to us. So, uh, thanks for listening today. Well, I assume we'll get right back on the poverty uh, train and talking about that again next week. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.